Hi, this is Similana, and welcome back to the podcast. It's interesting. If you ever step back and read the biblical description of the paraduma, the procedure that is involved, it seems a bit like a witch doctor. There's a little bit of this put in, a little bit of that put in, something's burned, you take the ashes, you mix it all together, alchemy if you will. But that's exactly where we're going to go in this week's discussion, somewhere where all other thinkers often shy away from because it's the paraduma and you can't understand what's happening here. Rav Hirsch finds deep structural meaning, meaning that is so relevant to Judaism as a worldview, and thereby, even though we don't do it today, its relevance and its active meaning in our lives to appreciate what's going on will become apparent to us. And just to keep it directly relevant to today's, I suppose, political climate, we'll talk about the tearing down of statues to give us a good parallel to the ideas that we're going to talk about this week. There's a connection, bear with me. In this week's parasha, we have the discussion of the red heifer, the paraduma. This week's parasha being parashas chukas. The reason why Rav Shamshin Rafal Hirsch's approach to the paradum is so refreshing or so invigorating is that generally speaking, people take the approach that it's one of those mitzvahs that you just can't understand. To propose a rationale behind it is futile, because it's a chayk. A chayk refers to something that's irrational, something that's beyond the pale of understanding, or something that may have a rationale to it, but it's beyond the scope of human understanding. Rav Hirsch's explanation on what we mean by a chayk, or in the opening of this week's parsha, Zeus Chukas Hatayra, is a statute. It's not that it's detached from rationale, but its foundation is different. When it comes to mishpatim, or laws of social justice, we recognize where they come from because we understand what it means to be a human being, and we understand what that means to relate or have a relationship with another human being, and certain moral laws are incumbent upon us because of that relationship. There's a rationale there. Chukim aren't irrational, but they're based off a different fundamental premise. Chukim for Rav Hirsch are statutes, fundamental pillars of the Jewish worldview, and they're based off the fact that you're in a relationship with God. Now, of course, without this premise, the rest of it doesn't make sense, but once you hold this premise in your hand and you use it as an orientating factor in your life, the logic and the rationale and the symbolic importance of the Chukim becomes apparent, and that is what Rav Hirsch does in this week's parasha. He takes the Pora Aduma and he elaborates on its rationale, its structure, and thereby makes it directly meaningful. So let us begin. The point of the Pora Aduma was for an individual who had become Tomei. He was impure. Now, obviously, this concept of impurity isn't a rational concept on the face of it. Rav Hirsch has to elaborate. Well, what do we mean by impurity? The Torah describes the human being not merely as a physical object or something that relates to the material world. There is another claim. There's a claim that there is a part of us that transcends the mere physical, a part of us that can freely act beyond the material world. The material world is a world of mechanistic forces, laws and forces that act upon objects, and with that being the whole picture, there's no freedom there. The Jewish claim is that no, you transcend the mere physical because you can act beyond the physical, you can be an active agent in the world. You can look at yourself and you look at other people as not being part of the world, but you are a part at the same time. That's the Jewish claim. But what stands against this? The contact with death. Death is the overriding force that all physical matter will go to. Everything reverts to entropy. Everything dies. That is the one overpowering force of existence that you cannot stand against. 
Rath Hirsch explains that when a person comes into contact with a dead body, the antithesis of what we mean by freedom, lying in front of you, Rath Hirsch explains that, that is what the Jewish tradition means by tumah, impurity. The impurity that we describe in the Torah is not this dirty, noxious, mystical element. No, it is a legal concept that you come into contact with a dead body, you become Tommy. Rath Hirsch plays this out in all aspects of Jewish law, how Tumah relates to objects and to people. But this idea fits very well in our experience of the world. If we're looking at ourselves as being beyond the material, well then, when you come into contact with something that screams the material world, the thing that was before you was a vibrant human being, like you, he was beyond, he, he, he was acting in the world, and now he is a corpse. There's no evidence of any spirituality there. There's no evidence of there anything more than the body that you see in front of you. And there's a danger. That danger that you could get taken in by that illusion. That all there is is the material world and that your free moral life is just an illusion. Your freedom, your ability to transcend the world, your ability to act on the world, not just be part of the world, is just an illusion. That, for Rav Hirsch, is the idea of Tumah. And that is what the paradum is standing against. That process, that, that alchemy that we see, every aspect of that is playing out in symbolic drama to the people involved, this antithesis. On the one side, the material world. On the other side, the spiritual life that we all have within us. And it is being dramatized out in front of the person to break him free, to have himself experience the exiting out of this delusion. Before we describe one aspect of the para aduma procedure, let's call it, people often come to me and say, well, this is symbolism, that's cute, but we don't do symbolism anymore. People like to leave the Torah to being dealing with more mystical and spiritual ideas, not symbolic gestures and acts that impact people, because people don't feel that anymore. Well, the problem is, when it comes to it, we do that today still. I'll explain what I mean. We involve ourselves within symbolism the whole time. True, we're not going to do the paraduma, but when we relate to what happened there, it can be impactful in the same way because we act symbolism today ourselves. The example that just came to mind was what's happening in the Western world today. People are toppling monuments and statues. Now, why are they doing that? Well, because they don't agree with what the people said? Not really, because they seem to be toppling lots and lots of different types of statues, whether they agree with the people or don't agree with the people because they are symbolically uprooting the previous culture. When a new identity wants to come in, you take away the old identity. You symbolically do that by removing what was there before. Now, this happened with the Christians when they took over the Roman Empire. They took down the old gods. Within Islam, when it took over different parts of the world, it got rid of the pagan gods, what was, was standing there. We act in a symbolic world. The way we relate to each other nowadays, we don't shake hands, and that has effects on us. The shaking of a hand is a symbolic act. You're, you're recognising equality. You're recognising friendship. You're, you could write a book on what is given over by the touching of hands and what people will do to be able to still keep a semblance of that because it's so impactful on how we look at the world and how we relate to each other. That is symbolism. So back to the paradigma, just to recap where we are, we discussed the idea of tumma, it being this potent idea that can overtake you, that you are just merely part of the physical world. The paradum is a procedure, but just to take us to the end of it, at the very end, the ashes of the cow, this red cow, are taken, and the tire refers to it as offer, dust, and it is put into a glass, it is put into a, a, a vessel of Mayim Chaim, 
spring water. Now we can already see this uh, tension come alive. The Mayim Chaim represents this otherest part of us, this part of us that is beyond. And then there's the offer, the dust that goes inside it. And Rav Hirsch says the Pesukim are clear. It is not the, the, they're both mixed. No, there is the cup of or the water and that is placed within it. Meaning the focus is that we are this Mayim Chaim and there is this offer, this dust that is mixed in with it. And that mixing is played out in front of the individual. It is played out in front of the individual, this antithesis of the one side. He's got his physical side, and the other side there's this spiritual. And it is being played out that when it stops and the mixing is complete, the dust settles to the bottom and the water remains at the top. To demonstrate out to him of what he truly is and how that reflects on what is expected of him as a human being. To add another caveat to that, this is done on the third day and the seventh day. Those aren't incidental. On the third day, Rav Hirsch points out, was the organic life, the material world that we interact with. The, the psukim say that things came leminoi, according to their kind. The physical world that we interact with, the organic world, was on the third day of creation. That symbolizes to the man that yes, on the third day, there was the material world. But the seventh day, that represents Shabbos. Shabbos represents transcendence. Shabbos represents the mission of the Jewish people, the mission of the world, that God rested on Shabbos because he chose. God is a God of freedom, and thereby you too have freedom. So to recap this last point, the playing out of this symbolic drama to the individual involved, he, is de- he sees in front of him the antithesis of his mission, simply dust mixed with the Mayim Chaim, and that mixed together But when it stops, he sees the water remaining at the top to bring out to his experience that he is free. The third day and the seventh day to remind him of the organic life and once again, the the other side of this dialectic. The seventh day, the freedom that is demonstrated by the Jewish tradition of Shabbos. And just to really just wrap it together, everybody wonders why the person who does this procedure, he he becomes Tommy himself. It doesn't make any sense. And Rav Hirsch says, well, obviously, the person who this is being enacted upon, yes, he needs this because he was in contact with death. In the natural way, we don't think of our antithesis. We don't think of the complete opposite of what we are, but he was forced into it because he came into contact with death. The person administering it, as Rav Hirsch puts it, the cure for one can be the death of the other. Yes, but he's being forced into that same situation now because he's administering it to someone. That person himself becomes Tommy. So I hope this gave a bit of an insight to how an idea that can seem so distant and so foreign can become relevant to us. Not that because we're going to be mixing dust and water, but when we read the Torah and we read what takes place here, Rav Hirsch invites us to look at it in a different light. We see this thing being enacted and that enactment is meaningful to the person it happening to. And when we read about it, we can grab onto that meaning as well. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful Shabbos.